0: This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuning in to the new TNN. And now, the new TNN presents WCW Must Die, starring Conan. Go play with yourself. Samurai Cop. Who's got the mace? Buff Bagwell. Yeah, my whole life is pretty much a show. Franchise Shane Douglas. Heh <laughs> heh. You just got your ass franchised. David Arquette. I was the heavyweight champion of the world. Mike Awesome. Yeah, the crippled Canyon. Canyon. Yeah, I got thrown off that cage. And it hurt. Terry Funk. Oh, Blue, daddy's coming home. Chris Candido. But there's no macho man. Tammy, how about I show you mine, and you owe me one. Mike Tanay, show us, Tammy! Vampiro, yeah, you know, Steve, the actor. Big T, the juice, indistinct. Mean Gene, Overload. Someone find me, Eric Bischoff. DDP, you turn the camera off, monkey. Scott Hudson, it's at the top of the hour Tony, for Pete's sake! David Flair, this is Champ's Room. Andrew McCarthy, Vincent, I've got an idea Vincent. Norman Smiley, this is my business. The Cat, may I please have your attention please. Lex Luger, come on, two more, total package style. Jeff Jarrett, who died and made you Commissioner Slappy. Tony Shivani, the greatest athlete in the history of our sport, it's Sting! Mark Madden, I was wrong, I apologize. Sting, the actor, I feel like romping, stompin', graveyard destruction. Rick Fleer, as Rick Flair. Not your dad! Eric Bischoff. What's the matter Sid? Can't find your scissors? I said, what's the matter Sid? Can't find your scissors? Hulk Hogan. Terry Bollea. The NB stands for new blood, and I'm taking care of Bollea, dude. Kevin Nash. Hey kid, is your mom home? I mean, look at the adjective. Mom. Vince Russo. That dirty, stinking, chalk infested creek. You keep your hands to yourself, young lady. I am the Batman! That is correct, pop culture addicts. Pick your jaws up off the floor because you are about to listen to a brand new surprise episode of WCW Must Die. My name is Johnny C, and of course, this is the new TNN. Now, this, I I want to get right across from the get-go. This is not a return of WCW Must Die, okay? This is a special treat-yourself episode, because it's the holiday season, the holiday season, and I'm looking to be pleasing myself. By returning to where it all started, WCW must die. Uh, the history books will tell you it's where I got my podcast start, and it is absolutely true over on the North South Connection podcast network, and then it migrated to this feed, which was once known as the Aqua Cave. Thanks for sticking with me through the name transition, if you're still here from that. And now, of course, it's the new TNN. And, and you know what? I just want to travel back and have a little fun at the expense of World Championship Wrestling. And you know who we have to blame for this? Starman. Let me tell you why. So, a couple weeks ago on Starman, we covered uh, Mike Awesome versus Vampiro from Halloween Havoc 2000, Tony. And, oh my God, I got the fever and the only prescription... Is more WCW, and I just wanted to return to WCW Die for the fuck of it. And we're not jumping back into the New Blood Millionaires Club era. Practically everyone from the old WCW Must Die intro isn't even in the company anymore, Uh, but I don't care, and I'm not recording another one. That shit was hard to do. So, it's a special episode from October 2nd, 2000. Well, why did I pick this episode? Well, because of the picture on Peacock. But I think we'll all have a good time at this one. It has a legendary main event that we will get to in due time. But it's October 2nd, 2000, and we're in the Cow Palace in San Francisco, California. What a legendary arena to be in. And our opening video hits, and by God, it's a recap of last week's Nitro main event, which was... A steel cage match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship belt strap between defending champion Booker T and the challenger in his New York football giants football uniform, Vincent Kennedy Russo. Actually, I don't think his middle name is Kennedy, but I'm sticking with it. And wouldn't you know it, this match had a shit ton of interference, including Goldberg, Ric Flair dressed up like an EMT, and all sorts of shenanigans. But this is a famous matchup. Because Booker T walks through the door of the steel cage at the very same moment that Goldberg spears Vincent Russo through the side of the cage, and technically, Russo hits the floor right before Booker T's feet do, and uh, Mr. Russo is a WWE Heavyweight Champion. Now, if you look a little closer, okay, uh, uh, we're like one year removed almost exactly from the Almost exact same thing happening on SmackDown right after Russo, uh, right before Russo left uh, WWF when Vince won the WWF title. No, he didn't win it in a cage match. Uh, there was shenanigans afoot. but And then the next week, Vince would vacate the title, but it was sort of like a, okay, we got Vince as the champion one time. It had to happen sort of thing. Now, Russo's just doing it to himself. And, and you know, I don't have a problem with it. In terms of, like, oh, you're killing the WCW title. Uh, I got news for you, Tony. The WCW title's been dead for some time. Um, and, you know, it doesn't last long, just a week, because here, well, we'll get to it. Uh, so, But that's where we're at. Vince Russo is a WCW heavyweight champion. Maybe that's a clue as to why we picked this episode. But uh, after the music vi- or the video ends, Goldberg wearing a Harley Davidson jacket that's gaudy as fuck arrives in the parking garage. And you know what? He's on a motorcycle, and he's wearing the tidiest fucking helmet I've ever seen. And here's the thing. I do think wearing a helmet is a wise idea when engaging in motor uh, bike type scenarios. But why not give Goldberg, like, one of those cool helmets? See, okay, I don't know shit about motorcycles, but this is what I'm gathering. Goldberg's like a big Harley hog motorcycle type guy like Hogan. You and me, Harley in the tree. Rip them. Uh, And that's why he's got this nerdy helmet. He looks like a moped helmet. It looks like the helmet that uh, fucking, you know, like the nerdy kid in school would drive their moped into in a teen movie. And Chris Evans would be like, oh, my God, look at her little helmet. She's driving a moped. I can't fuck this girl. But Goldberg... Uh, is anti-crotch rocket because I think crotch rockets are where people wear those sick helmets with the Cyclops visor that's the fucking helmet that Goldberg should be wearing but no it's the tiny chin strap helmet Tony claims Russo will announce uh, stipulations surrounding the WWE title and Goldberg tonight will he fire Goldberg we get the opening WCW Nitro video, and it's changed since I last reviewed the show. And now, the only thing important to tell you is we now have Kevin Nash's blinking eyes in the video. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. If you don't, that's your problem. Tony Schiavone, Mark Madden, and Scott Hudson are on the call in the Cow Palace, and things are getting filthy, a dirty, a nasty. That's the way we like it. Ray Mysterio Jr.? Is he still Ju- No, I think he just called him Ray Mysterio. It doesn't fucking matter is coming down the aisle with Tigress and Conan. Ray Mysterio Jr. is wearing yellow shiny bibs. And if you're not sure it's the year 2000, don't worry. Ray's here to remind you because he's got a backwards visor. He's got his horns on as well. Uh, Conan is wearing a cow-themed vest with cow-themed pants and a cowboy hat. I guess it's because they're in the cow palace. Conan is cowed the fuck out. Out, Tigress is here wearing a tiger print. And, ladies and gentlemen, Rey Mysterio is also carrying a ladder. Now, Tigress is carrying the Disco Duck. If you're not familiar with the Disco Duck. I can't give you a complete history. Long story sh- but here's the thing, alright. Disco Inferno was carrying around a Disco Duck. Well, a duck for a while. Like a fucking plastic duck statue that some old woman would put in their front yard, and they called it the Disco Duck, and that was his thing. (sighs) Russo, I've said this before, I'm trying to explain, uh, put into words what I'm thinking here, so, like, Russo, to me, is the master of the mid-card, and some might disagree with his methods, okay, but... A guy like D'Lo Brown, this first thing that pops in my head. Like, the bulletproof vest, chest protector that D'Lo would wear, that's, like, D'Lo's like a mid-card guy, but you give him the bulletproof vest, and it's like he always has some sort of a gimmick or thing to rely on. Um, whether it's good or bad, there's something there to make him something, okay? Now, D'Lo's a talented guy. I'm not saying the bulletproof vest is the only important thing. But Russo would find things for guys to latch on to. And whether you agree with them or not, if they got over, if they got over, it seemed to work. Now, the disco duck, I'm a big fan of, okay? Why? Because it's just the right amount of stupid to be funny, Okay? But the Filthy Animals have kidnapped the Disco Duck and they've kicked Disco Inferno out of the Filthy Animals. Disco, at this point in time, is going by the name of Disco, D-I-S-Q-O, like Cisco. Alright, now, uh, right away, Scott Hudson is confused about the ladder. Why do they have a ladder, Tony? I know it's an old arena. Are they ever going to paint it, perhaps? Well, I mean, the overalls indicate they might be painting the cow palace. Yo, yo, let me speak on this. Yo, Disco, I'm tired of this damn duck. When you first got it, it had a hole the size of a dime. Now look at it, you freak. Hang this duck up. So yeah, the hole on the bottom is huge now. You know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Conan is unable to cut a promo that isn't sexually themed. And that's fine, but it's getting really old. A rope drops from the ceiling of the Cow Palace. Tigress hangs the duck. Madden makes the call. Well, that Bugs Bunny cartoon finally has an answer. It's duck season, not wabbage season, Tony. Look at the duck hanging from the Cow Palace. Octong! 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 Here come the Boogie Knights, making their debut to rescue the disco duck. The Boogie Knights. Have we cleared that, Tony? Scott Hudson is very concerned that the Boogie Knights are copyright infringing on the film Boogie Knights, but there's subtle differences. The Knights in Boogie is K, like Knights of the Old Republic or the Dark Knight, if you will. But Scott, don't worry. You know, at this point in time, and even now, yo, know, you're part of the Warner Brothers AOL family, which owns New Line Cinema, which was responsible for making the film Boogie Knights. So the company would have to sue itself to remove your copyright infringing name. So chill the fuck out. Ray tosses the ladder forward at the Boogie Knights as they stand on the apron. Bad move, because the Boogie Knights just push it down. It teeter totters into Ray's face. Ray looks like a complete fucking moron, and the bell rings. So here we go. Our opening contest the Boogie Knights versus the Filthy Animals in a tag team disco duck ladder match, Tony. Now, if it's your first time here on WCW Must Die, let me explain what we do. I recap the show, and in the matches, I tell you what happened during the match. But more importantly, I will also explain what the fuck happened during these encounters. So right away, Conan has to move to the center of the ring and stand there for about three seconds so he can be in position to eat a missile dropkick from Alex Wright. Then he gets hit with some embarrassing ladder shots because Conan is such a bitch, he won't take it. Now, I I wouldn't take a ladder to the face either, but Conan's matches are always so blatantly obvious how afraid he is to get hit. And and yeah, I said it. It needed to be said. Uh, Alex Wright puts the ladder in Conan's face, dangerously close to his face, and he eats a Van drop dropkick. But since the ladder is in the corner... Rey Mysterio jumps up on it and rides the ladder down, Luthes style, and it collapses on Disco. This is the first of many surprisingly badass Rey Mysterio spots in this match. Conan comes back with the potato peeler clothesline. Rey eventually hits the Bronco Buster. Conan slams a chair into the ladder after it's placed on Disco. This poor man is being assaulted by his former friends. Conan then makes a Boogie Knight sandwich, according to Scott Hudson. As they put Alex Wright between the ladder and its laying on top of Disco, Ray goes up top with the chair and attempts to hit a chair-assisted ass jam to the Boogie Knight sandwich, but it misses by a country mile. It's a face buster, a ladder buster, and a Boogie Knight buster, all in one! Conan then holds the legs of the Boogie Knight and spreads them for the racetrack. Ray climbs the ladder and leg drops with a double dick shot because each foot, he, sp- he spreads eagle as he jumps, and each foot collides with one of the crotches of the Boogie knights. Double nutcracker sweet leg drop, Tony, says Mark Madden. Ring my bell indeed. The Boogie knights just got de says Scott Hudson. Conan and Disco, later in the match, are really confused as to what to do. They're in the corner and they have to get in position for a spot. They can't decide who's going to Irish whip the person. So finally, Conan just gets behind Disco. And Conan pulls him on top of him and just lays down. Like, just lay here for a minute, Disco. Let's do this. It looks so pathetic. But Rey Mysterio goes up to the top, hits a flip forward splash, rolls through it. Runs diagonal to the top corner of the ring and flip-dives over into a senton position on Alex Wright. It's smooth, it's quick, it's rapid. Ray, he must be trying to impress Vince McMahon or something because he's really working overdrive in this four-minute tag-team duck ladder match. Uh, Disco then hits the stunner on Conan. It's called a last-dance maneuver by Tony. Now, we're trying to climb the ladder and grab the duck. Four men trying to grab a duck. This is drama, Tony. Disco, setting up the ladder. His last grasp for the duck snatch. So, is he trying to snatch the duck, or are we implying that he's going after the duck's vagina? Ray and Disco trade punches on top of the ladder. The crowd chants, Disco Duck! Disco Duck! Don't tell me it wasn't over, Tony. I was there. Ray hits a flip over power bomb. Alex Wright climbs the ladder. Madden yells "Octang!" Conan electric chair drops Alex Wright onto Disco Inferno. Now Conan climbs, and you can tell he's freaking the fuck out. So Ray holds the ladder, but Alex Wright is approaching, and Ray Mysterio jungle gyms using the ladder fulcrums into a fucking hurricane rana and throws Alex over the top. He's got the duck, and uh. The fucking filthy animals retrieve the duck. Uh, so the bell rings, it's over. But the Boogie Knights assault the filthy animals with chairs afterwards. Disco gets the duck and beats the shit out of Conan with it. This is sheer brutality, says Scott Hudson. I think Ray Ripley would disagree. You know, because this is my brutality! Tony says the fans are lustfully booing the Boogie Knights, and then Madden goes, Boo! And Tony goes, Boo! They're just audibly booing on commentary. The match is over, though. Uh, the Boogie Knights leave with the duck. Aw, duck them! Says Mark Madden. So, the filthy animals defeat the Boogie Knights via disco duck retrieval. And, you know, I always rank the matches here on WW Must Die. It's a little tongue in cheek, but. I give this two and a half snickering dogs from Duck Hunt. And it's all for Rey Mysterio because he was a goddamn sideshow attraction during this match. Now, a parking lot, uh, a parking lot, a car arrives at the parking lot. It's old-ass car. And it's David Flair driving. He's got a man handcuffed in his back seat with a bag stuffed over his face. He drags the man into the arena telling him he will confess tonight Could that be the father of the baby? Tony Schiavone ponders as we head to a commercial. But we're back. And uh, we're at the announce table. Tony, Mark, and Scott are wondering what Vince Russo will do with the championship. He has possession and claims to be the champion, of course, thanks to Goldberg Spear. Oh, Maybe he'll retire undefeated like Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano is dead. Yeah, I don't think we can blame Mr. Russo for that. Will Russo fire Goldberg for assaulting him? Apparently, that's one of the contract caveats that Goldberg has. Let's go live to the backstage area to see from Mr. Russo himself what's going to happen. Now, Vince is sitting at a table in a Navy New York Yankees jersey. God love him. Jeremy Borash is standing behind Russo with a dumb fuck look on his face in a pinstripe Yankees jersey wearing a backwards hat looking desperately like Poochie. Vince has a prepared statement that he reads from. Last week, I proved to the world that at any given time, I could become the WCW champion. I am not an athlete and never claimed to be. Many say I have no business in the ring. Tonight, I will relinquish my WCW title. Tonight, there will be a match for the vacant title between the two number one contenders. The chosen one, Jeff Jarrett and Big Papa Pump. He then calls Goldberg a coward for attacking him. 30 minutes into a brutal steel cage match. (laughs) I love heel exaggerations. Russo says, I'm a better man than you, and I won't press any charges. But you're lucky I didn't kick your ass, Bill. Bill Goldberg's theme hits. Goldberg arrives in the arena, heads to the ring, wearing his stupid Harley Davidson jacket. Scott Hudson is like, was that Jeremy Borash or Curly Howard Jr.? That's not funny, Scott. Scott. Ah, my jokes are funnier than that. All right, my jokes are not funny. Madden here has a great line about how Goldberg is cat was, You know, Goldberg's a big coward, Tony. attacking Vince Russo an hour and 20 minutes into that cage match. So, just exaggerating the already made exaggeration. I quite enjoy it. The Thug Life has a microphone, and we're going to have to listen to him talk. He's here, and he's waiting for Russo. He's like, you know, Russo... You say I'm below you, well you're below me, and I see you below me every morning when I read the newspaper in the toilet. It's really funny, I'm Bill Goldberg. Russo is on the screen and he tells Bill Goldberg, I got some plans for you, and I'm going to come tell you these plans face to face. Goldberg's like, well come on out, woman. Like it's some sort of an insult? Is that the kind of example you want to set for your son, Bill? Bill? You know you wrestle for your son, Bill. Insulting women for your son, Bill He's a real life Rambo if he comes out here, Tony. He's a real life fruit loop. Hey, hey. Again, what's with the fruit loop hate? Okay, there's nothing wrong with women, and there's nothing wrong with fruit loops. Oh my god in heaven! Vince Russo is here, but he's in the Pope Mobile. Jeremy Borash is driving the Mobile, and, and it's a Pope Protector on the back of a low-rider truck. <laughs> Russo is sitting behind the bulletproof glass of the Pope mobile. It's Pope Vincent One! And he's coming to lay down some commandments on Bill Goldberg, Tony! <laughs> Goldberg attacks the Russo and Bischoff security, who still have R&B security shirts, even though Bischoff is practically dead in the annals of WCW. A Bret Hart career killer kick is delivered to one of the RB security guards, and we get our first good night of the evening. Some dude that looks like Braden Walker gets gorilla pressed on the hood of the car, but Russo has a microphone. Uh, you know, Bill, am I going to fire you? No, I'm not going to fire you tonight, but I got some plans for you. Goldberg retorts with one of the worst insults I've ever heard. You think I sweat your goofy little body? <laughs> I mean it's not it's not that funny but you do you think I sweat your goofy little body Vincent Russo is like you remember your streak bill 176 and oh well tonight the streak begins again and guess what bill one loss and your career is over the streak lives tony if he beats 176 and 0 that is the only way that Bill Goldberg can ever get a WWE title shot. I actually like instilling this as long-term storytelling, perhaps building to something the next year. But it's a Russo show, so he'll probably lose tonight. Goldberg, then, career killer kicks the driver's seat front window. However, much like a child when they touch the, the hot stove, Bill Goldberg, hopefully, has learned from his mistake. Because you can tell that unlike when Bill Goldberg punched the driver's seat window out of a car, here where he's kicking it, the actual glass has been replaced with just, like, safe plexiglass. And that's good. I'm not complaining. But how funny would it have been if he fucking kicked this thing and pulled out his white denim, because he's wearing some white-ass jeans, too, and his white jeans were just covered in blood. Bill now has the keys to the Mobile. Vince is like, security! Security! It looks like Goldberg is going to take the Mobile for a spin, but he's attacked by someone from behind. It's Ming! Ming locks in the Tongan death grip. Russo yells, meet your first opponent tonight! Which means, it's Ming versus Goldberg tonight, Tony! As we head to commercial. We are back from commercial, and we get a nice recap of what happened just Moments ago, when Ming, the mercenary, returned and locked in the Tongan death grip on the gullet of Goldberg. Back at Vince Russo's locker room, Vince is celebrating with Jeremy Borash, a.k.a. Poochie, Ming, and Mike Sanders, who's wearing a nice suit. No tie, though, on this suit. Tonight, baby, go out there and eat Goldberg for lunch, Ming bails. Mike, Mike, come here. You remind me of me. I gotta leave the building. i will put you in charge. You have all my power and rights. Make things happen tonight. Mike Sanders smiles like a goof and leaves. Vince Russo then gets in close with Poochie and says, You watch him like a hawk. You watch everything he does tonight and report back to me. He slaps Jeremy Borash and says, You stooge. Back at the announce table, it looks like we're going to have a very special guest on commentary. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Chuck Zito. Who? Apparently, he's one of the stars of HBO's Oz. Now, hey, I'm not going to sit here and talk shit about Oz. I hear, pray tell, it's a good show, but I've never seen it. He's wearing a nice bowling shirt, so that's okay. Uh, Chuck, you gotta tell me. How would Ming fare in Oz? Uh, pretty good. He's a big guy. We got some pretty tough guys in Oz, but uh, these guys are tough too. Oh, fuck me sideways. Here comes the Misfits in action. Thank God, though, it's only one of them. It's Sergeant AWOL, and he's got himself some plunder for the WCW Hardcore title match that's about to take place. I guess last week on Thunder, Sergeant Awall beat JTB, or Johnny the Bull, to those of you who aren't friends with him, to qualify for this contest for the vacant hardcore title. So, lots of titles are vacant here in the wars of sports entertainment and WCW. His opponent is representing the natural-born thrillers. A man who has been very lethal over the last few months. It's Reno. Reno tosses a garbage can into the ring. The bell uh, rings. So, here we go with match number two. For the vacant WCW Hardcore strap, Sergeant A. Wall versus the many-month lethal Reno. Immediately, Reno stun guns Sergeant A. Wall, and unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, Sergeant A. Wall misses uh, throating himself on the ropes by say ah that much. Reno goes up top. Sergeant A. Wall throws a garbage can. While well, the garbage can is in the air. Rito decides to go for a top rope leg drop. Uh, even though his opponent is not in range. And uh, his opponent is also standing. <laughs> uh, the garbage can kind of connects with Rito's boots. Chuck, this reminds me of the riot scene that happened in Oz. You remember that scene, Chuck? Yeah, I watch Oz on Mark Madden. I have HBO. Yeah, it's crazy. Is anything goes? A- anything goes? Rito now has a garbage can covering his facial area while sitting on the ring. Now, Sergeant AWOL kicks the top of the garbage can, the very top. Now, folks, I'm not a genius, but I've got to assume, mathematically, Rito's head can't possibly be up that high, but, uh, hey, (laughs) why not? You know, nobody had a garbage can on Oz, says Chuck Zito. Sergeant AWOL now has a table and sets it up in the corner. But Rito has a kendo stick and beats his man before tossing him over the top rope. Rito, upon being on the outside, immediately gets in the face of one Chuck Zito. Nobody goes after Chuck Zito. That's putting your life in your own hands, Tony. Back inside now, though, after the zito diss and some more kendo sticks strike the sergeant known as AWOL. Rito climbs the top turnbuckle that is near the table. Now, mind you, much like earlier, we have a unique Reno on the top rope situation. Right below where Reno is standing on the top rope is a table. Uh, Sergeant AWOL is completely on the other side of the ring. So if Reno is going to jump, okay, maybe he's going to wait till Sergeant AWOL gets closer. Okay, that's fine. But Reno would have to jump over the table to get to Sergeant AWOL. So why are you standing on this particular top turnbuckle, in front of the table, near the entranceway. Well, wouldn't you know it, Big Vito comes out with a stickball bat and strikes uh, a, a, what's his name, Reno, in the back. Reno's now sitting on the top turnbuckle. Sergeant AWOL recovers. Chokeslam through the table. One, two, three, and we got a new champion. Big Vito, Sergeant AWAL, and the MIA all celebrate because MIA come out. Tony lets us know, Fans, the, the cat, Artis Miller, is going to make a big announcement! My ears immediately perk up at the prospect of seeing the cat, my one and only. But uh-oh. Recently made in charge man of the evening, below average Mike Sa- oh, I'm sorry, above average Mike Saunders or Sanders is out with the Natural Born Thrillers and he has a microphone. So know of your boys know how things work around here. Things work around here by rules. So Mike Sanders basically because of rules reverses the decision. Due to outside interference, and therefore, the new WCW Hardcore Champion of the World via DQ is Rito. The Backstreet Boys just reversed the decision, Tony. Hey, another title for the Natural Born Thrillers. I think it's safe to say, happy days are here again. So, Rito defeats Sergeant AWOL because Mike Sanders wanted it that way to become the new WCW Hardcore Champion out. I don't know. I'd give this one stupid guest commentator. It was harmless. Well, for me anyway, I was watching. But these guys are beating the shit out of each other for no reason to appeal to no one except maybe a Chuck Zito. Backstage, Pamela Paulshock is here with the big news. But where the fuck is the cat? Nowhere to be found. She announces Commissioner Cat has decreed that Booker T left the cage first last week. So the title match tonight is now between the two number one contenders, Booker T and Sting, not Scott Steiner and Jeff Jarrett. No way, yells Mark Madden as we head to commercial, but we're back. In the locker room, the hooded prisoner of David Flair is handcuffed to a locker. David Flair slaps this man. You're not going anywhere. You know what you did to my life? The prisoner... Says nothing, but he does groan like this And ladies and gentlemen, this poor prisoner can't hide his southern accent even when all he's doing is groaning. This is absolutely fucking buff bag. Well uh, the muscles alone give it away, but I swear to you he grunts and he, he can't even hold it back. It's 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 pretty ridiculous. Uh who is this? Oh wait, no, that's the wrong impression. Okay, let me let me just focus here. All right, focus. Tony Shivani, not Mark Madden. Tony Schiavone, not Mark Madden. Ready? Break. Who is this hooded man? I don't know, but if he would have worn a hood when it counted, uh, we wouldn't be in this situation. <laughs> that is actually a line that I quite enjoy by Mark Madden. And hey, if anyone's uh, keeping track at home, next Monday we're live in Australia. Actually, I don't think we'll be live. We'll be tape delayed in Australia for what we're calling Nitro and Thunder Down Under. And speaking of Danenda, here comes the franchise and... Torrey Wilson! Scott Hudson is worried about the paddle, power power battle here at WCW. There's a structure of powers been been turned upside down tonight, Tony. Who's going to be in the title match? God damn it, though. The franchise has a microphone. <laughs> Tory and the franchise are the first couple of WCW. Not Kidman and Medusa, not Paisley and Kiwi, but Conan! Yo, 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 dog! Let me speak on this. Odale, arriba la raza! You jackass! Hey, look at that! He's bilingual. Oh man, I am torn here. I hate the franchise so goddamn much, but he's mocking Conan, whom I cannot stand at all. Oh, what's a Johnny C to do? franchise wants to know if Conan wants to spin with Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal at Halloween Havoc. That's what he says. Hey, Conan, do you want to spin with Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal at Halloween Havoc? So I guess it, it must be Shane and, uh, what's her name, Tori versus Conan and Tigress, maybe? but It would make, be, make more sense to have Ray and Tigress, but, uh, you know, whatever. But tonight, we're going to rise straight to the top by taking It Out. Mike Awesome! Tori takes the microphone. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. We don't, darling. Just say, darling, for Pete's sake! I'm better than all the hoochie pigs in the back. Yeah, Madden. What? Here comes that 70 guy. Oh yeah, I fucked up the S position. It's Mike Awesome. He enters the ring. Shade attacks from behind. Shocker. The bell rings. So here we go for match number three. The franchise. (laughs) Versus that 70s guy, Mike Awesome. The fight immediately heads to the outside. And franchise gets the Savage Crush Summit on the security rail. Hey, who's that in the crowd? It's Lex Luger. The man that Tony lets us know turned his back on the MIA last week on Thunder. But why is Lex Luger watching from the crowd? Mike Awesome gets a table from under the ring, even though we saw a table in the last match. He puts the table next to Baby in the corner. He attempts a running Awesome Bomb, but my God in heaven, Tori is on the apron, shades of Marlena and Sockgun Saturday Night Episode 1. She's got her back to the camera and unzips her jacket. The camera makes a mistake and actually changes views, and we see that Tori is just wearing a nude color bikini. So, all you kidsters out there, calm the fuck down. Awesome is amused, but stumbles and walks backwards into a franchiser for the one, two, three. That is the worst fucking finisher I have ever fucking seen. So, the franchise defeats Mike Awesome in one minute via a jawbreaker that looked like it was applied by a seven-year-old. And I give this match negative two covered bosoms. Fuck these guys, get off my TV. The franchise goes to leave, making me happy, but he gets back in the ring because there's a spot coming up that calls for him to be in the ring. I love when the guys do shit like this. They go to leave, they get halfway down the aisle, they're like, oh, fuck, I have to go back in the ring. What's my excuse for getting back in the ring? Hey, ref, raise my hand in the center of the ring so I'm in the ring. Here comes the cowman! No, wait. Tigress comes out first and gets in a fight with Tory, and then the cowman comes out. Conan's still dressed like a cow. He hits the potato peeler clothesline, and Tory Bale. Nobody cares. Backstage. God, I've forgotten how much these WCW must-die shows take out of me because there's so much back and forth, and I've got to set the scene so people know what I'm talking about. Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner are backstage threatening Mike Sanders to go fix this shit with the cat. This situation sucks! Fix it! This pipe's good for your ass! Says Scott Steiner. But, out of the shadows emerges big sexy Kevin Nash! Wearing a San Francisco 49ers hat? Alright, that's fine. Hey, whoa, boys. Sanders is with me. If he says it's under control, it is. Uh, Kevin, there's Jeff Jarrett here now. I just, this coach thing, Kevin, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a good idea. And then Jeff Jarrett and Scott Snyder bail. Hey, don't leave. I can get you a scholarship. Yes, Nash. Okay, that was pretty good. Goldberg is getting taped up in the locker room as we head to a commercial. We're back. Kevin Nash and Mike Sanders are now outside the Cats locker room. And Nash, just for anybody who doesn't know, has become this character called Coach Kevin Nash, where he's taken the natural-born thrillers under his wing, and he's coaching them how to be a sports entertainer. And Nash says, give 110%, go in there, and tell them how it's going to be. Now, Borash is taking notes watching this whole thing. Sanders looks confident, but not confident enough. So Nash grabs him by the collar and pulls him in tight. Remember, winners never quit and quitters never win. He turns Mike to face the door, smacks him on the ass, and says, get in there. And he does. The announcers recap our storylines for the evening, Goldberg and the title match shenanigans. Mark Madden starts putting over Ming hard on commentary, and he's like, and Tony's like, speaking of Ming, let's take a look at the special video presentation. Now they're putting Ming over pretty hard here for this encounter. I'm watching the Ming video. I'm watching it some. Wait a minute! This is the same video package of Ming that Kevin Nash prepared. On the Old Glory Thunder episode of WCW Thunder. I kid you not. It's the same video with old footage. Bobby Heenan's on here saying things like, Look at Ming! Look at Ming! With the slowed down voices. And he's just tonguing people. This is a video from 1999. Wow! Well, I guess you can't steal from yourself. But remember? Because Ming beat uh, Glacier and the guy Glacier was managing. And Nash is like, Huh! I can't believe those guys that th- really thought they were going to win after a sweet video. Oh, no, he says, nobody loses after a sweet video package like that. God, I wish I was watching that. Now the video ends, and Pamela Paulshock has Ming in the interview position. No manager here. Ming is going to speak. Ming, this is your last chance at WCW. Pam, I love you. My name is Jim, not Ming. So that's a bad office joke. This is what Big actually says. Pam Downsizing and cutbacks is part of business. And now they've bring me here to wrestle Goldberg. I have no choice. This is my last chance. In order for me to stay with WCW, in order for me to keep my career here, is to destroy Goldberg. This is my life. Goldberg! You must die. So I may live. <laughs> okay. First of all, thank you for the brand synergy, Ming, with the Goldberg must die. And I kind of, look. I'm glad Ming gets to talk, but I don't know if Ming should be talking about his job. Like, Ming should just kill people. He should just be like, Goldberg, you must die so I may live. Huss! And then leave. I don't like having this image in my head of Ming like writing out a check to pay the electric bill, like okay. One hundred oh. What's the to get one hundred seventy two dollars and fifty five cents No I sp- is cents with an S No I know there's one at the end a se- okay I need another check Ming miswriting his checks.
1: But we head to a
0: commercial. We're back, and above average Mike Sanders emerges from the Cats locker room, and the thrillers are all here waiting on bated breath. You know what, guys? I'm looking for ratings, just like Mr. Russo. I just negotiated a match that's going to send this this show through the roof. Well, what's the verdict? Hey, wait a minute. I think Goldberg's about to be in a match, and you know what, boys? He's S-O-L. And every natural report thriller responds... You know what that means. We cut to the even deeper depths of the arena. Oh, first of all, how lame were the thrillers there, by the way? But Doug Dillinger knocks on Goldberg's door. He makes the walk. Ming, we see, is already in the ring. Well, so much for that fucking video package. Tony is in overdrive hype mode. Like, Goldberg, perhaps the streak begins tonight! And then Goldberg eats his pyro, walks to the ring... And uh, Scott Hudson makes a very unique call. What we've got is a de facto career versus career match. It's not in the contract stips, but it's Goldberg loses. He's done. If Ming doesn't get the job done, you know, Vince Russo is going to send him packing. Goldberg enters the ring. Ming attacks before the bell rings. I think we're four for four. Here we go, though, for match number four. Goldberg versus Bing in a not- in the contract steps, career versus career match, we start off, and both men throw hands, fists of fear and ferocity. They're trading blows. Suddenly, Ming gets the upper hand, and I swear to you, starts slapping with open palm strikes. And I think, I think Ming accidentally does E Hondra's hundred hand slap, and I'm fucking here for it. Ming Irish whips Goldberg, goes for a big boot. Goldberg ducks, called. Goldberg ducked a head attack. Spear! Jackhammer! One, two, three. Well, alright. Um, Goldberg defeats the monster with the video package Ming. In uh, 42 seconds. By dodging a head attack. And countering with a spear-jackhammer combo. Jesus, I'm once again conflicted. You know, on one hand... I think you absolutely made Ming look really stupid, but I also think if you're going to heat up Goldberg and do a streak angle, that this is a hell of a statement to make. You know, like, I've killed the monster in 42 seconds, so I don't know. And the match was fine. There's nothing to rate here. I guess I'll just give it one confused Jotty C. Wait a minute, though. It's... Well, I was feeling a little high, and they attack Goldberg from behind. Could this be the main event in Halloween Havoc? Well, it is. That's why I say that. They give Goldberg the high times, and Hudson is furious. They've sold their soul to Vince Russo, Tony. Backstage, again, Mike Sanders has the Natural Born Thrillers and Kevin Nash with him, and he's talking to Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner, ready to let us know uh, his blow-the-ratings-roof-off compromise with the cat. It's going to be Booker T and Jeff Jarrett versus Scott Steiner and Sting. Steiner immediately starts joking Sanders. I don't like Sting. Wait, wait, wait. The winners of the tag match will face each other for the title in the main event. Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner are unamused and complain. No. We're the team, jabroni slap ass. Sanders drops some knowledge. Listen, listen, boys, listen. Quantum physics, molecular structure, either you're going to be the champ or you're going to be the champ. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Sanders. The angry duo leaves we head to commercial now knowing that it's going to be like a massive Russo trope. You know tag team partners that can't get along? Well, tonight we've got tag team partners that can't get along versus another tag team of partners that can't get along and the winning tag team can't get along in the main event for the WCW Heavyweight belt strap. Welcome back, WCW must die. But we are also back from a commercial and David Flair is back in the locker room with the prisoner of a hooded nature. The prisoner appears to be crying and reaching out for help. Oh, you look miserable. Are you thirsty? Are you hot? It is hot here. You want some water? Now, David has a cup of water and I guess the prisoner can see this through his hood because he's reaching for it like, oh, oh God, please give me some water. David's like, oh, okay, you want some water? He dumps a big bucket of water on him. Here's some water! And the prisoner... (laughs) Whimpers some more. Is this waterboarding? Oh, no, I don't think it is. The cho-cho-cho-chosen one. Oh, my, I've missed you, chosen one. Jeff Jarrett and his guitar head to the ring. I see lots of foam, slap-nuts guitars out in the crowd. If you have one of these and are looking to sell it, please reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at the Johnny C. Please, please, please. Please, please. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Here comes G.I. Bro. Here comes his tech team partner. A man he's gone round and round with. Big Papa Pump is out next with Madasia. I guess, much like Ming, Shakira was the victim of budget cuts. And God help us all, Big Papa Penis has... The microphone. I've said it! I've proven it! There's only one genetic freak! Only one physical phenomenon! And I am the supernatural! So! Perfect team! Jeff Jarrett! Tonight! I'm going to kick both your asses! That is correct ladies and gentlemen! According to the closed captioning Scott Steiner called Booker T Perfect T So perfect team! Jeff Jarrett! Who's writing this shit? Uh, Last but not least, it's Sting! No t-shirt tonight. It's good to see that Sting has recovered from the Human Torch Match. I did eventually cover that, even though it happened after WCWS dies. Original run ended. It's in uh, Starman. Uh, I think that episode is subtitled Ian Mania. So find it in the archives here on the new TNN. Hudson puts over that Scott Steiner might be the hungriest out there. He's the only one that hasn't been champion, Tony. Scott Steiner will also be cosplaying as Bill Lambeer tonight as he's wrestling in that all black face mask, uh, which we'll explain in a moment. The bell rings, so here we go for match number five. Winners enter the main event, tag teams that kick it along. Top of the hour match. Jeff Jarrett. And the perfect team, taking on Scott Steiner and Steve, the actor. Jarrett and Sting start. They do some chain wrestling, but Sting punches, because I guess he's the heel. And gains control, hits an early Stinger splash, and goes for the Scorpion Deathlock right away. But Jarrett pokes to the eyes. A double clothesline spot, and both men make the tag. It's Booker and Steiner. Steiner stalls and flips off the fans. It's tremendous. He goes outside and starts jaw jacking. And, and we get a great shot of Scott Steiner yelling at the fans from behind. And folks, with this mask on, Scott Steiner, with his giant jacked-up physique, is a dead ringer for Bane. Yes. No one cared who I was till I injected steroids. My name is Scott Steiner. Welcome to Shoney's. I'll be your host for the evening. Would you like the breakfast bar? Uh, The breakfast bar is mobile. Sometimes it's over here. Sometimes it's over there. Yes. You may engage with the breakfast bar if you're members of the League of Shadows. (laughs) You know what happens when everyone eats our breakfast bar here at Shodi? There's no survivors! Any more in the Bane? You you can't rob this. There's nobody here. Then why are you here? (laughs) Anything else that Bane says? I am Michigan's reckoning. What else? No, you know, I'm done. I'm done with this shtick. Yes, I am done. That's an imposing face mask, Tony. Remember, Goldberg went yard a few weeks ago with a lead pipe on Steiner's face. And Steiner's just fine to wrestle now. I mean, sure, he's wearing the mask. But you're telling me a man with the size and strength of Goldberg went yard on Scott Steiner's face with a pipe and Steiner's not... I don't know, dead? That's poor wrestling, people. Finally, the perfect team and Scott Steiner lock up. Steiner's in control, but a Harlem sidekick by the perfect one. Steiner wants to think about this match for a moment and steps again to the outside. At this moment, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Hudson, on commentary, debuts a wrestling nickname that he wants to get over that is just... Inches away from being as bad as the Thug Life. The Thug Life, Tony. The New Blood's hired gun, Goldberg. He's the Thug Life, Tony. So the Thug Life is still number one. But really close at number two, he calls Scott Steiner the real experiment. That's the real experiment in there, Tony. God damn you, Scott Hudson. Steiner tags Sting. Uh, they uh, Booker and Sting trade headlock maneuvers. Sting Irish whips Booker. And Sting... Fucks up an arm drag. Booker just keeps running the ropes. Sting, the great wrestler that he is, covers for this by striking Booker T down to the mat. Booker gets back up and Sting is back in control. And what does Sting do, folks? The arm drag that he couldn't do earlier. Was it that important, Steve, to hit all your lines? You had to do this arm drag? Cause guess what, folks? It don't matter that he hits the arm drag. He could have done anything. He could have fucking spun him around and dosy dote. It would have been the same effect. This arm drag is irrelevant. But Sting, god damn it, he dug down for it. He hit the arm drag. Tony Scott Steiner spits on Booker T. Gross. I like a sign in the crowd that says Best Buy sucks. Another Irish whip. Sting to Booker, and Steiner pulls down the ropes for the low bridge, and Booker goes flying. Sting punches his own partner, because I guess he's mad, and pursues Booker to the outside. Jarrett and Steiner in the ring. This match is falling apart, for Pete's sake! Sting makes Booker T. kiss the table. Steiner military presses and drops Jarrett. Booker re-enters the ring. Steiner beats him down. Elbow drop push-ups by the the big experiment. Or what what was the... (laughs) Elbow drop push-ups by the real experiment, Tony. Uh... Booker gets in the tree of woe, but springs out of it. Hits a spine buster of main event style. Jarrett's tagged in. Steiner hits up belly to belly. Hot tag to Sting. Sting and Jarrett fight to the outside. Booker and Sting are inside. Booker hits the axe kick. Goes Rooney. And then jumps for a perfect Harlem sidekick. But it hits both the referee and a Scott Steiner. Two for one special, Tony. Yes, we're having the two-breakfast bar for one special. Tony, perhaps invite Lois to Bane's Shonies. Jeff Jarrett has the acoustic equalizer. He swings at his own partner, Booker T. The perfect T ducks. Sting eats the wood. Jarrett covers for the Udo Dos Trois. Jeff Jarrett and Booker T defeat. Scott Steiner and Sting via the acoustic accoutrements. To advance to the main event. You know, this match was like 10 minutes long, so it's the longest match we've had. And and it was fine. Whatever. Two and a half partners that can't get along. If that arm drag would have hit the first time, it would have been three, but only two and a half. Uh, Up next, Tony promises Kevin Nash and the Natural Born Thrillers will head to the ring. We're back, and we get a trailer for Halloween Havoc two thousand. And guess what, folks? I talked about this old-school WCW Must Die episodes, but the guy that's the announcer for the trailer says, you cannot imagine what will happen at Halloween Havoc. Why? Every WCW pay-per-view trailer from the Russo era has the announcer guy saying, you cannot imagine what will happen at Mayhem. You cannot imagine what will happen at Fall Brawl. Well, after I see a few of these things, ring guy or announcer guy, I'm starting to imagine what I can't imagine to see at insert pay-per-view name here. We get a replay of the finish to the tag team match, and then I hear a song that makes my heart sing. Oh Canada, our home and native land, it's the WCW Cruiserweight Champion Primetime Elix Skipper, who I believe was given the belt by Lance Storm. Oh. And Mark Madden is correct. I apologize. It's the 100 kilo and under championship. Now, ladies and gentlemen, something monumental here. Primetime Elix Skipper has a microphone. And he cuts himself a promo that shows that this scenario is not a good idea. That's right, baby. That's right. This is my house. And i built. He pulls the microphone away from his mouth and we can barely hear him say, This house. So it comes across like this. This is my house. And I built this house. And I'm pissed off about two things. One, that so-called commissioner booked a match against me. Prime time. The 100 and under kilo Canadian champion. And I hope he's ready to get his ass kicked tonight. And two, the thing that's pissed me off the most this week is that shit that happened last week. It's been under my skin. For all you dumb Americans that don't know what I'm talking about, hit the B-roll. Scott Hudson is confused by this order. Hit the B-roll! The B-roll plays, and Scott corrects himself. Well, I guess so. The B-roll footage is last week the new... or new, The National Board Thrillers were hanging out with Howard Stern's little friend, Beetlejuice. Kevin Nash entered the scene and said hi to everybody and shook hands, as a professional wrestler is to do, and when he came to Beetlejuice, he said, Oh, hey, Ulix, nice to see you, and took off back in the ring. Now I know all you dumb Americans are all about the jokes, but tonight it's my turn. So, Max Sanders, on your way out here, bring that jolly green giant with you so I could kick both you asses at the same time. No, it's not the fucking Teen Wolf. It's Kevin Nash and the Natural Born Thrillers, including tag team champions Sean O'Hare I miss you. Could have been something. And Mark Jindrak. I don't miss you. Rito, the champion of a hardcore nature, and now it appears that Mike Sanders is going for the kilo-based championship. Nash and Mike Sanders enter the ring, and Nash has a microphone. Okay. First off, if you think you had a bad week, I just spent 45 minutes in the back. Tell Beetlejuice how sorry I was for calling him you. That's not funny though, Kevin. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, buddy. Th- this is your night, which we'll cover in just a moment, but that's that's not your night right there. Sanders gets the mic and adds a stipulation or two or three to this encounter. Number one, Team Canada is barred. Number two, you have to power bomb before you can pin your opponent. Okay. Number three, since you won a handicap match, it's Nash and no, it's Kevin Nash and me versus you, Elix Skipper. After this uh, announcement of rule changes, Mike Sanders bends over to tie his shoe as one to do before a sports entertainment-based encounter, and Kevin Nash just bops Elix Skipper with the microphone. The bell rings, so here we go. Match number six, a handicap powerbomb to pin match for the 100-and-under-kilo Canadian Championship. Mike Sanders and Kevin Nash taking on a primetime Elix Skipper. As the match starts, Kevin Nash takes a seat on the turnbuckle, with the microphone and commentates as the match is taking place. Mike Sanders sets up a power bomb. Ah, oh, this would be the power bomb, says Nash. But a reversal and Elix Skipper is on fire. He hits a spin kick and a hurricane rana. Elix Skipper goes for the cover, and in a tremendous moment, referee Charles Robinson taps him on the shoulder and is like, no pin, no pin! and he does a really big, like, powerbombing motion with his hand, because, you know, you got to play to the back of the arena, indicating a powerbomb scenario has not taken place, and therefore the match cannot end. Kevin Nash has moved to the outside, waiting for the tag. The microphone is in his back pocket, and he is still rocking the San Francisco 49ers hat. Nash hits Elix from behind and comes into the ring while Elix is down. Hey, nice job, kid, he says to Mike Sanders. You know, week in, week out, I watch these young guys. They come out here, trying to take a spot from an Asian veteran like myself. One thing these kids do, week in, week out, is they do all this top rope stuff. <laughs> I might say, during this soliloquy, Elix Skipper is creeping ever closer towards the top turnbuckle that's behind Kevin Nash. You know... I don't know the last time I was in a bar fight, and I knocked a guy down, and then I jumped on the bar and decided to jump off and do something. But uh, Nash turns around, eats a missile drop kick from Elix Skipper, and God help me, Nash actually takes it. Elix is a house of fire, beating on Nash. He hits him with the ten turnbuckle punches. Elix turns his t- uh, attention back to above average Mike Sanders, but Kevin Nash has recovered. Hey, is Nash bleeding? I think you might have Beetlejuice. Tony says Mark Madden. Nash grabs the microphone after bopping Elix Skipper yet again. The only other thing I don't like is the fact that this guy claims he's a Canadian. Now the only thing about him is he decided to go to Canada because he makes about thirty grand a year, and I think that makes him a millionaire in Canada. Nash drops the mic. Little gut kick, jackknife. Mike Sanders covers one, two, three, and it looks like we've got three championships in the camp of the natural born thrillers. Mike Sanders defeats Elix Skipper via Nash nanigans, and folks, I give this match thirty thousand stars because you know what? Kevin Nash doing commentary during his own match. And not just that, commentary that's rambling about the youngsters. He actually said top rope stuff. He's burying the young talent and mocking someone's living wages that are less than his. This match is the living embodiment of Kevin Nash's wrestling character. Maybe the person, I don't know. And if they still make DVDs, it would have been a shame if this match was not included on Nash's life retrospective. Like, they come to the end, and Nash is sitting by his fireplace, and he's like, Well, you know, guys, we've got to get some matches for the DVD. There's only one match, though, really. No, it's not with Brett. No, it's not with Sean. There's one match that defines my entire career. He smiles, and here it is. (laughs) Roll tape. Goldberg is in the uh, backstage area of the arena. He's got a towel on his shoulder, and it looks like, honestly, he might be taken off for the day, as he's got his Harley Davidson coat back on. The Terry Rooster stops him, and he's like, "I got, I got bad news, man. Sanders, Sanders has you doing it again, man. Another match, a- a- and y- another match. Yeah, another match. A- and you're next. No. They're next, and we head to a commercial." We're back, and the Natural Born Thrillers are celebrating in the backstage area. Nash is like, hey, good job, guys. Uh, Excuse me, I'm going to go in this room here uh, where you guys aren't and take a shower. And Nash goes to the shower. As soon as the door closes, oh, my word, Team Canada attacks. It's Lance Storm and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Officials have to pull Hacksaw off because he's furious, yelling things like, Canada! Canada! Team Canada! In the ring, the Harris boys are standing. Here comes Goldberg, I guess, for a handicap match. Another one. Right after the other one. But you know what, guys? I think the streak might be over. I don't think there's any way he could survive this. Goldberg enters the ring, surprisingly, before the bell. The Harris boys attack. So, match number seven. A two-on-one streak match. Goldberg versus the Harris twins. Goldberg hits a double clothesline. Hits a spear on Big Ron. One, two, three. He's got one! Yells Tony. Goldberg's music plays. The match continues. Okay, Big Ron is out of here. Goldberg is officially two and zero. Heavy D strikes. Goldberg hits a spear to Heavy (laughs) D. Good night," says Scott Hudson. Jackhammer one, two, three, um, three and zero. Oh? Goldberg defeated Big Ron via the harpoon, and uh, Goldberg defeated Heavy D via theme music distraction, I guess. Well, this is a choice, and I give this match five Tokyo domes. This was a classic, guys. You cannot miss it. You cannot imagine what happened in this match. You have to see it for yourselves backstage the natural born thrillers are opening the shower door trying to get nash's attention mike sanders is like uh hey kev uh i need some ideas buddy uh for the main event kev you got any ideas there's no answer david flair is dragging the hooded prisoner the father if you will to the ringside area and we head to commercial we're back and tony sets the scene Ever since September 11, David was left at the altar and found out he was not the daddy. Clearly the worst thing that could ever happen on September 11th in human history. But then later he found out via a videotape who the father was. Now he apparently has that man in captivity. Suddenly, though, David Penzer, the ring announcer, hands Tony Schiavone a letter, apparently from... Oh, wait, no, it's a letter from Mike Sanders. Tony looks confused and then reads aloud the letter. The WW title match between Booker T and Jeff Jarrett tonight in honor of San Francisco will be a 49ers match. Four boxes will be hung, one in each corner, and three boxes, weapons. In the fourth box, the WCW title. Whomever finds the gold first is declared the new champion. Wow, a 49ers match, Tony. Well, is this a scavenger hunt or, or title match? Uh, but, hey, I, I guess it could be interesting. <laughs> Madden realizes he's not supposed to bury the heel uh, guy in charge of stipulations, but the wrestling fan in him came out right there. You cannot imagine what happens next. Tony Schiavone throws to the exact same Halloween Havoc trailer, and then we head to a commercial, but we're back, and David Flair is bringing the hooded prisoner to the ring. On the commentary track, Mark Madden is appalled at this POW's harsh treatment. This is demeaning. Whoever's under that hood doesn't deserve to be enslaved. I mean, all they did was score with a hot chick, that's all. There's no crime against that, is there? Oh, if there is, lock me up. David has the microphone and berates this man with slaps and words. And now he will make the big reveal. I'm going to embarrass you like you embarrassed me. Now pause for a moment. I mean, look, I'm not taking Madden's side here. But there's nothing embarrassing about being accused of what Buff is being accused of. Okay, unpause. The prisoner speaks to David Flair. He asks him to take the handcuffs off, I guess, because David Flair has to do the thing where he repeats whatever the other guy says, like when Mean Gene was talking to the comedy gooker. Wait, you said take the cuffs off? Wait. You said you swear you'll take everyone. You'll tell everyone what you did. That you're the father of Stacy's child. You swear, you swear. I bet Stacy liked the handcuffs, Tony. <laughs> David, the moron that he is, actually fucking takes the handcuffs off and then turns to face the hard cab to launch into a soliloquy. The prisoner stands. He removes the hood. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. Oh wait, it, it was just Buff Beckwell. Buff has tape over his mouth, which is a definite improvement. But how the fuck did he make this plea bargain with David Flair just two seconds ago? <sighs> oh my god! It's Buff Bagwell! Buff smooching Stacy's boochies! Clothesline by Buff! Clothesline by Buff! Well, no one ever accused him of being a uh, Tokyo Dome classic here. Buff hits the Buff blockbuster! Buff. Leaves. If you think this story is done, fans, you are sadly mistaken. Tony Schiavone threatens as we head to a commercial. Now we come back from commercial, and somebody didn't tell old Tony Schiavone that we were back because he's talking. I think probably to Scott and Mark, and he's like, "They're still trying to get the box." Oh, fans, fans, we're back, and it's time for the Valvoline Max Life replay. Uh, to uh, Scott, go ahead and go ahead and tell us what you see here. Well, we see clotheslines in a Buff blockbuster, Tony. Buff Bagwell, humiliated by David Flair and could not take it anymore. Buff Daddy hit the blockbuster. But was that all that he busted? Was Buff the Daddy? Do we have the answer? Buff is walking backstage towards the parking area and he's talking to himself? I love when people do this. He just says, I guess Buff does have the stuff. <laughs> Fans, let's not forget what we have before us now as we reset? The hard cam centers on the ring. And ladies and gentlemen, a pole is in each corner with wooded, wooded crates dangling from chains. Now they all look like the chains could snap at any moment. But this is the one they came to see. What are the weapons that are in there, Tony? Lead pipes, brass nooks, chains, anything in there. Maybe even a hand grenade. Fans, I don't think there's going to be a hand grenade in one of those boxes. Well, why not, Tony? I mean, you don't know that. At this point, it could be anything but the Cho-Cho-Chosen One hits. And here comes Double J. Ha-ha! To do battle in the 49ers match. Again, we get more shots of the foam guitars in the crowd. Again, let me know if you've got one. Interesting cat, you know, wrinkle in this equation here is that Jarrett comes down to the ring without a guitar. Weird. It looks weird. Especially when he mounts the ropes to summon his pyro by lifting the guitar in the air. That must be why, when he summons the pyro, there's no macho man. Sorry, I had to work that one back in, but Chris Candido's not here. No, when Jarrett lifts his arm to summon the pyro, there's no pyro because he doesn't have the guitar. We cut to a strange video out of nowhere and it's like, last week on Nitro, Jeff Jarrett was walking in a hallway at the arena and Beetlejuice, who's wearing a Superman suit that says BJ, by the way, instead of having the Kryptonian sigil of uh, the L household, which means hope, of course. Uh, Beetlejuice is wearing that uniform. I fucking lost my train of thought here because I was talking about fucking Superman that often happens to be... Jarrett walks past Beetlejuice, and he's like, hey, what are you laughing at, Beetlejuice? And Beetlejuice is like, slap nuts, slap nuts. And Jarrett's like, oh, okay, slap nuts. And smacks a guitar over Beetlejuice's skull and says, that's Mr. Slapnuts to you. And we're back in the arena. Okay, whatever, I don't care. If they're going to show it, I'm going to talk about it. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's it. Here comes the perfect team, wearing a t-shirt. Well, all right. Ah, fuck it, who cares? It's just weird. The bell rings, and here we go, folks. Match 8. The main event. A Kansas City 49ers match for the advanced WCW World Strap. The Chosen One, Jeff Jarrett versus Booker. Don't call me perfect team. T. Right as we get started, Tony Schiavone makes sure we know that this match... Is it a San Francisco 49ers football team match? No, no. It's a San Francisco 49ers gold rush match. We've got to make sure we don't infringe on anybody else's copyrights. So well done, Tony. Booker, oh, oh, this is why he's wearing the shirt. Booker, shades of the shipman, gives his shirt to an old bag at ringside. And then he starts to hug her, which is very sweet. Jeff Jarrett strikes Booker. Mid hug And folks, this old woman is furious. She whips the shirt at Jeff Jarrett like she's Indiana fucking Jones, man. She's looking for the dial of destiny with each swing. It's a shocker, though, that Booker T and Jeff Jarrett would start a WCW-based encounter on the outside, as they always do. Jeff Jarrett has a chair, and he's using it. What we're seeing here is power run amok. Scott Hudson, man, quite a way with words. Inside the ring, Jeff Jarrett has Booker T. in the corner. Jeff Jarrett says, reverse. I'm not familiar with using the word reverse to taunt someone. I'll have to Google it. Strangely, though, Booker T. reverses Jeff Jarrett's Irish whip attempt, and Jeff Jarrett goes crashing into the turnbuckle. And ladies and gentlemen, 49er box number one, has fallen, because when Jared strikes the buckle, the box just says, fuck it, I'm done for the day. It did almost hit Jared in the head, though. Jared elbows Booker T and heads to the outside to get the box. He takes the box inside. He stomps on it. Come on, Jeff, what's in the box? Come on, what's in the box? It's a blow-up doll. Madden, somebody stole your luggage, for Pete's sake. He actually does say that. Jeff, it's just a blow-up doll. I mean, that's what it is. Jeff Jarrett tosses the blow-up doll to the outside, and we continue. Only three boxes remain. Our announcers, have a moment. This is not about pinfalls, not about endurance. It's about finding the right box. It's about blow-up dolls, Tony. Huh, I didn't know Kimberly had an action figure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll give the devil his due. Not a bad one, Scott Hudson. Not a bad one. Booker T. slams Jeff Jarrett. He mounts the turnbuckle for box number two. Booker punches the box. He pulls out the weapon of mass destruction. Booker has a shit-eating grin on his face. It's a framed picture of Scott Hall. Booker shows the picture to the hard cam. And Scott Hall, I don't mind telling you, looks high as fuck in this picture. It's glorious. Upon seeing the picture, Madden, who I guess is a huge Scott Hall mark, yells, Yeah! Hey, yo! Booker at least turns it into a weapon by smashing it over the head of a Jeff Jarrett. Madden then says (laughs) something I never thought I'd hear said. You know, we should book Scott Hall versus Robert Downey Jr. at the pay-per-view. I guess, you know, because they're both into the shit. My, how things change. Jeff Jarrett gets tossed to the floor and almost lands on the Kimberly action figure. Booker mounts the turnbuckle for box number three, but no! Jeff Jarrett cuts him off and both are on the outside now. Jeff Jarrett cracks box number two over the head of Booker T and then dumps Booker on the security rail for the Savage Crush Summit. More box shots and box number two explodes over the skull of Booker T. Now we're on the announce table. Madden is yelling, Jeff, get the box! Jarrett sets a Booker for a pile driver on the table. No! Booker reverses and now has Jarrett in the pile drive position. Somebody's gonna die, yells Tony. Pile driver delivered by Booker T to a Jeff Jarrett, and the table does not react. Holy Christmas, yells Tony. Booker T is in the ring. We get a hilarious shot of Jarrett. Who doesn't think the camera's on him? Just casually sipping some water out of a bottle at the announce table. Jarrett has box... Or, Jarrett Booker has box number three. He opens it. It's a coal miner's glove! Oh, my God, a coal miner's glove. The most vicious instrument of ruination in sports entertainment history. Booker puts on the glove, but no! Jeff Jarrett trips Booker and yanks him, dick first, into the post. Jeff Jarrett wrestles the coal miner's glove away from Booker T. And now Jeff Jarrett has the glove. He's measuring Booker T. Come on, Jeff. Do a little dance. Make a little glove, begs Mark Madden. No. Jeff Jarrett strikes Booker T with the glove. It's over. This man's career is over. Not a coal miner's glove strike, Tony. Jeff Jarrett grabs the remnants of box number three. He heads up top. He's poised to strike. He leaps. Good God! Jeff Jarrett not only breaks box number three over the head of Booker T, but he swung box number three while wearing the coal miner's glove. That's got to add at least 55 pounds of solid steel to the impact, Tony. Jeff Jarrett points to box number four, asking his gods, is this my time? He heads up, but no! Booker T strikes Booker T goes for a drop kick, but it misses, and Jeff Jarrett slams the glove of coal into the skull of Crystal of Booker T. You know, Indiana Jones reference. Both men are exhausted from this rush for gold. Referee Slick Johnson, for some reason, starts a standing 10 count. Don't know why. Both men are up, and Jarrett locks in a sleeper. Which is actually sound match logic. I- I'll-, I'll give him that. It's very boring to watch, but it's also very sound. Booker T is down on the mat in what would be a pin. uh, But the sleeper still locked in. And Slick Johnson does the arm drops. Okay? I'll give Madden this. At least he calls Slick Johnson out. Why is he dropping the arms there, Tony? Booker's third arm does not drop. Which doesn't matter. Because it wouldn't end if it did. But Booker is back. Uh, Both men to a vertical base. Booker... Escapes the sleeper. Locks in a sleeper of his own. But no, Jarrett suplexes out of it immediately, and both men are down. Jarrett is the first one up. He has the glove. He climbs the turnbuckle. No, Jeff, not this way. That's a human being down there. Not with the glove. Jeff Jarrett dives with a jumping coal punch. No, Booker catches him. Bookend. Another double down. Another senseless 10 count by a slick Johnson. Booker is up. He's going for the box, but no, Jarrett pulls him down. What drama we are seeing here! Jarrett goes for the stroke! No! Booker hits the axe kick! Spin a Rudy. Harlem kick of a side nature! Booker T goes for the box! Oh, but a low blow by Jeff Jarrett! Jarrett Irish whips Booker T. Booker reverses, but misses a jumping kick and lands Dick first onto the top rope. Jarrett is on the outside and starts digging under the ring. He goes for a guitar, but can't quite seem to get it out. He says, fuck it, and goes inside. Booker T is climbing for box four. Electric chair drop delivered by Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett decides, "I I probably need that guitar. Goes for the guitar again, but no, he can't pull it out. Is it fucking stuck or what? Oh, well, he goes back inside. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the camera is on, Jeff Jarrett in the ring, and Mark Madden makes a call on commentary. The guitar's come to life! It's a rock and roll Pinocchio! No, the guitar's not alive! It's Beetlejuice! He was under the ring, holding the guitar! You remember Beetlejuice from earlier? Beetlejuice hits three low blows onto Jeff Jarrett! Booker hits the sweet chin music! No, he really does. Jeff Jarrett is on the outside, dazed and confused. Booker T climbs the turnbuckle. He touches box number four. He yanks the box down. He turns the box to the side. The WCW strap falls to the ground. He's got... No, the belt fell out, yells Tony. Booker T climbs down to, to get it. David Penzer has the belt. The bell rings. It's over. It's over. So, first only 49ers match in history, David Penzer defeats Booker T and Jeff Jarrett via happenstance and the legally binding nature of the contract to become the new WCW champion because he got the belt out of the box. Woo! fans as if you even had to ask 49 stars for this encounter it has to be seen to be believed for some reason probably because David Penzer doesn't have the music they play Booker T's music and Booker celebrates like he won the title Tony sums up the finish Beetlejuice nailed Jeff Jarrett with the proctologist shot and we have a new champion but wait Scott Steiner is here with a lead pipe. He nails Booker T. Oh, no. The man who was almost champion is down. Jeff Jarrett tosses Beetlejuice into the ring. Scott Steiner hits the motherfucking Steiner Recliner on Beetlejuice. The copyright hits. Tony pleads, fans, we're out of time. Look at Beetlejuice. We fade to black. And thus, WCW must die once again, dies. (sighs) What an all-time show. So much fun to be had with these misfits from down south. Obviously, I know, I know you guys know, uh, you know, Booker T Win. I mean, you know. But David Penzer should be the champion. But whatever. I don't care. There are not enough hours in the day for me to make that argument. We all know the truth. But the truth of the matter is, guys, I I just want to say thanks. Like if you did listen to this, you know, WCW Must Die was sort of my initial brainchild. Uh, and I'm not trying to like take credit. It's not like it's something sort of anything grand or anything, but you know, a year year ago I reached out to Aaron uh, at Northside Connection and I was like, "Hey, I had this idea for a show." We did it, I had a lot of different co-hosts, a lot of guests came in, and, and I love them all for coming in and, and agreeing to do the show when they did, and, you know, the day came when, you know, I had two shows on North-South, and, and the word came down, hey, you know, let's let's pick one show and stick with it, and I picked the multiverse, because, you know, it gave me the opportunity to create different types of shows every time I did it, as opposed to just watching these WCW shows and making silly notes and shit, but... It scratched the itch to go back to it. Uh, it was fun. It, it's a lot. A lot goes into this show. So I guess I'm just trying to say thanks for listening to it. And I hope you I hope you popped at least once. I really did. And uh, WCW Must Die goes back into the icebox. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll pull one out for the old uh, birthday celebration or fucking, I don't know, Christmas 2 on March 25th. Ha Ha ha! And if you don't get that reference, that's because you're not tuning in to all the quality content here on the new TNN podcast feed. And, yes, I'm doing my salesman voice. But, folks, we also just released the episode of Junk Man, the the show where we talk about bad movies, on Santa Claus, the movie in celebration of December, the movie where John Lithgow's character determines that there will be a Christmas 2 on March 25th. You have to watch it. The guy that plays the big, big Lebowski plays Santa Claus and flashes back to Korea! But if you're flashing back to Korea, don't worry. So much content you could listen to to get you over your trauma. Nothing funny about trauma. I shouldn't have made that joke, but I don't cut anything out. But make sure you subscribe to the new TNN so you get notified when new content drops. Share the episode with someone. Hey, fucking hire a pilot to fly a big banner across the sky like they did for the Snyder Cut. to say, hey, WCW Must Die is back for one episode. Sing the praises of the feed to the heavens. But more importantly just have a good time while you listen that's all i really fucking care about if you laugh once i've done my job i'm johnny c a winner is you we are pop and of course wcw must die we will see you next time here on the new tnf